Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. So this summer, I went to Anaheim, California uh, for something called the uh, SBC Annual Meeting, or the Southern Baptist Convention Annual Meeting was in Anaheim, and it was a riveting time. I'm just kidding. It was. It was a good, it was a good week to be in sunny California. We were um, uh, there a couple of days early before the convention started, and, and we thought, um, you know what? I've heard of this place called Joshua Tree National Park that's like two hours away from Anaheim, and we thought this is probably the closest we'll be to this place, and we had a rental car, and so we decided we're going to drive out to Joshua Tree National Park, and, um, and so that's what we did. Two hours, we drove out to Joshua Tree in the middle of the desert, and it was hot, and we went with um, Josh and Jackie King, and um, one thing I learned about them on this trip is whenever they go to some kind of new place like this, um, they're not really concerned about the thing. They just want to buy the t-shirt, and so we drove two and a half hours into the desert. Um, it's hot. It's the middle of summer. And uh, they really didn't care about actually going into Joshua Tree National Park. And uh, so we didn't. Uh, we, we went to the gate. We took these pictures. And, um, and then we left. But you know what? We could have gone in. Um, it was so hot, though. There's no way I was going to hike. And so we just we took the pictures and all that. And then we went to all these different gift shops and uh, looked for the perfect T-shirt for them, which... I'm not into, um, but you know what? They got t-shirts. What I found, though, was um, a little pack of seeds. This is what I found. Uh, For $3.99, I found some seeds where I could grow my very own Joshua tree, right? Which, that's pretty cool. And so I bought this pack of seeds thinking I'm going to have the only Joshua tree in the state of Arkansas. And uh, so I I bought these. But that was in June. I still haven't planted any of those. Uh, any of these seeds, and so I thought it'd be cool if we could just kind of plant one this morning, and so I brought all the stuff here. I planted one in the first service, uh, so um, I guess this is now the second one that I'm going to plant, um, but basically this says, I've got my shovel here, it's a little plastic spoon, um, basically this says that if I will uh, cover a seed with an eighth of an inch of soil and uh, keep it, you know, keep working at it and, and stuff, well, in 10 years, I will have a four to six foot high Joshua tree. So that's kind of cool, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plant this. I'm going to try not to plant it over the one from the first service here and uh, get me one of these little seeds. Look at that. Have you ever seen a Joshua tree seed? Yeah. That's what it looks like. Um, I'm sure you can see that, right? A tiny little seed. Put it there in the soil. Cover it up. There we go, all right? And I'm going to water it. How much are you supposed to water a desert plant, though? Probably, oh, that's probably too much. A little to grow on. There we go. All right. So I now have planted a Joshua tree seed, right? And uh, I'm fairly confident um, that in some time, I will have my own Joshua tree. Because that's the thing. Whenever you plant something, you're pretty confident whatever you plant is what's going to grow. Like, it would be pretty surprising if in a few years I'm like, that's not a Joshua tree. I believe that's actually an apple tree, right? That would, that would be weird. And so I'm pretty confident that, that what I've planted here, this Joshua tree, it's actually going to grow into a big, nice 
Joshua tree of my own. So it'll take 10 years, but I'll, I'll keep you posted on, on that. So today, that's not just completely random, all right? I'm not just like doing something that I've procrastinated on. We're talking today about sowing and reaping. We're talking today about planting and growing. And the main idea for us this morning is what you plant in your life will grow. What you plant in your life will grow. And so the question for us this morning is what are you planting? What are you planting? If you have a Bible, open it with me to Hosea chapter 10. Hosea chapter 10. We, we started this series in the book of Hosea. It's a minor prophet book um, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we're this morning in the book, in the chapter of uh, 10. Now, what we see in Hosea chapter 10 is uh, we do see some planting and some reaping or some uh, some sowing and, and, and growing, those kind of things. And what it tells us in, in verse 13, this isn't our main verse, but I'm just going to talk about it for a second. So if you're still looking for the book, that's, that's fine. But verse 13 tells us what the Israelites were planting. And it says that they were planting, it says verse 13, you have plowed wickedness and you've reaped injustice. That you've eaten the fruit of lies. So, so basically it's saying you, you've planted wickedness and you've reaped injustice. Now, if you remember what the book of Hosea has been about, it's been about Israel's sin, their unfaithfulness, right? You've got the whole picture of the marriage relationship of the adulterous relationship that's going on and, and God says that's a picture of your unfaithfulness to me, right? And so even in that, though, this book has shown us that, that God is like a loving husband who redeems and he restores his adulterous wife. And what he's calling us as his people, as his bride, as his wife, to is faithful love. Faithful love, right? Uh, last week, Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, uh, God says, For I desire faithful love and not sacrifice. I desire the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. And so that's what God is after. God is after our faithful love to him. And what we'll see this morning out of just one verse, that's all we're gonna look at is verse 12. What we'll see is that the big tree of faithful love grows from planting small seeds of righteousness, okay? Before we look at it, I want us to, want us to pray. And so I'm gonna pray for all of us, but take just a second right where you are and ask God to speak to you in this moment. Let's pray together. God, we just want to pause and we want to ask you in this moment that you, would, that you would speak to us in a way that only you can through your word and through your spirit. God, I pray that anything that I would have to say uh, that is not from you would just be discarded and that we would hear everything that you would have to say to us this morning because that's the only way any kind of life change is going to take place. And so we're listening and we love you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. All right, Hosea chapter 10. Uh, let's look at verse 12 together. Verse 12. God says this, sow righteousness for yourselves and reap faithful love. That's the goal of Hosea. You'll reap faithful love if you sow righteousness. Break up your unplowed ground. It is time to seek the Lord until he comes and sends righteousness on you like the rain. All right? So I just want us to walk through this, this verse this morning, and the first thing that he says is to plant righteousness. So righteousness is what he says there at the beginning of verse 12. Now, I think it'd be helpful to maybe define some terms, because I'm not like a, I'm not a farmer. I don't plant stuff. I, you could probably tell from that little illustration. I'm not, I'm not typically planting things, so I think it'd be helpful if we define some terms. So means to plant, okay? 
You just plant it, and that's what sow means. Righteousness, that word righteousness is, is something I think we hear a lot in church, but it's kind of like, well, what does that actually mean? Like, how do we define that, right? Righteousness basically just means doing what is right. It's being morally upright. Now, there is an element of righteousness that is talking of our standing with God, right? It's human to God righteousness. There's also an element of righteousness that just talks about human to human uh, righteousness, doing what is right and morally upright for one another. There's also an element of it that's behavioral driven, right? So righteousness basically just means being in the right, doing what is right. Reaping means to acquire as a result of some effort or action. Basically, it is the gathering of the crop that's been planted and grown, okay? It's the gathering of the, of the thing that is grown. So here, in this verse, we're told that in order to acquire faithful love, which again, that's the goal of Hosea. God's telling us, I want you to exhibit faithful love. In order to acquire that, in order to reap that, it's going to require that you and I sow or we plant righteousness. We're gonna have to plant righteousness in our lives. Now, there is a problem, though. And the problem is this. Romans chapter three, verse 10, Paul is quoting the Old Testament. He says, as it is written, that's how you know he's quoting something else, something, quoting the Old Testament. He says, there is no one righteous, not even one. That's what Paul says. He's quoting David in Psalm chapter 14 and other places, but basically the Bible tells us that no one has righteousness. No one is righteous, right? And so that's a problem. If we're told to plant something that we don't possess. We don't have righteousness, according to the Bible. Now, the opposite of righteousness is, is evil and wickedness and wrong and sin, and we possess a lot of that, right? Verse 13 of Hosea 10, again, talking of Israel and the state that they were in and what they were planting, but it's also like it represents every single person who's ever walked on this planet ever is also doing this same thing, that they plowed wickedness and reaped injustice, that they had eaten the fruit of lies and because they have trusted in their own way. Is that not a perfect description of sin, right? That we plow wickedness and we reap injustice, that we've planted wickedness and, and now we have this huge harvest, thriving crop of sin because we trust in our own wicked selves. And so the question then is, is, is how in the world are we supposed to plant righteousness when we don't possess any? How are we supposed to plant righteousness when we don't, we don't even have the seeds, right? No one is righteous, not even one, Paul says. Unless someone helps us, we don't have the capacity to plant righteousness. Unless someone helps and so the solution to that, this is where the good news of the gospel breaks in, is that God is the opposite of us. He is perfectly righteous. He is perfectly righteous. Uh, Isaiah, in his book, Isaiah 11, 5, uh, he says this, righteousness will be a belt around his hips, talking of God. Faithfulness will be a belt around his waist, right? He wears righteousness and faithfulness as a belt around his waist. Now, a belt, think about it in your, your outfit, your wardrobe, a belt is a pretty important piece of the whole thing, right? If you ever left home and forgotten your belt, and all day you're just like fighting things and trying to keep it all together, like the belt kind of holds it all together. 
And so the picture here is that righteousness and faithfulness are a crucial piece of who he is. And what's interesting is Isaiah chapter 11 is a prophetic piece that's talking of the coming promised Messiah from the line of King David. It's talking of Jesus. That's what Isaiah 11 is talking about. So in other words, what Isaiah is saying is that Jesus, God in the flesh, is held together by righteousness and faithfulness. And, and so, so don't, don't miss it. While, while you and I don't have the capacity to plant any righteousness because, because we don't have any, all right? We, don't, we can't plant righteousness that will result in faithful love. Jesus, though, is all righteousness. He is all faithful love. And so he comes to earth on a rescue mission because he's the only one that possesses the righteousness that we need. And he comes to earth in the form of a baby. He lives and he dwells amongst us, humanity, and he lives a perfectly righteous life. He never one time sinned. He lives the perfect picture of righteousness. And then one day he was wrongfully accused, sentenced to death on a cross. He didn't do anything to deserve it. He was sinless. He was perfectly righteous. But he willingly accepted the sentence. He willingly went to the cross for us because he knew that you and I needed righteousness, that we, we needed our sin payment to be dealt with. And he was willing to do it. Right? He was willing to do it. And the sins of the world were put on him in that moment. And in the moment on the cross, he absorbed God's wrath towards our sin. That's what's taking place there. And, and through his action on the cross, the offer of salvation or right standing or righteousness with God is now possible. It's now available to everyone who would believe, right? That's the good news of the gospel that we believe. Now, something huge is going on in that moment. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul tells us this. He says, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might have the righteousness of God. What that's saying is that he, God the Father, made the one who did not know sin, perfectly righteous Jesus, to become sin for us so that you and I, unrighteous people, might actually become the righteousness of God. So the sinless, righteous one, Jesus, took on our sins so that we could take on his righteousness. This is what theologians call imputed righteousness. It's a big theological word. You don't necessarily have to know it, but basically the idea is that his righteousness is now yours, right? His righteousness is now yours. It's not borrowed. It's not leased. It's not something like if you screw up, you're gonna lose it. It's not on loan. It's now yours. His righteousness is yours. And at the moment of your salvation, what's yours, your sin became his, and what's his, his righteousness became yours, right? This is a, a, a huge, huge moment. So, so don't miss it. When you turn to Jesus, yes, your sins were forgiven, but it's bigger than that. It's, it's bigger than that. The moment you said yes to Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus replaced your sinfulness. Do you see that? So it's not like you were just, God's just sitting there and he's like, okay, he said sorry, so forgiven. No, no, in that moment, the righteousness of Jesus became yours. 
And so now whenever he looks at you, he doesn't see your sinfulness. He sees the righteousness of Jesus, right? This is huge. That understanding will change how you live. That understanding will change how you live. And that's the amazing gift, the free gift of the gospel. That unrighteous people, based on nothing they did to do it, nothing they did to earn it, was given the righteousness of Jesus only through faith, right? It's amazing. And so I would ask you, have you had that moment? Like, have you had that moment, that line in the sand moment where, like we saw last week, you, you turn towards Christ, leaving everything else behind you, and, and you say, I'm trusting you with my life. Like, it's a moment. It's a, it's a line in the sand moment that takes place. Christianity is not something that you just stumble into and start doing. Christianity is not something that you're just like, well, I guess I came to church like for a month straight. I guess I'm a Christian now. Or Christianity is not something that you inherit from grandma. Christianity is a moment. It's a, it begins in a, with a line in the sand moment of, of understanding your sinfulness, understanding his holiness, and turning towards him, saying, I possess no righteousness on my own. But through your free gift of salvation, I'm accepting what you're offering and you're offering your righteousness to be credited to my account, to be given to me. It's a moment that takes place. You become a Christian in a moment of surrender when the righteousness of Jesus is given to you. And so again, I would ask, like, have you had that moment? Have you had that moment? And sure, Christianity is more than just a moment, like then you, but it starts there. <laughs> Right? It starts there. You don't just find yourself being a Christian, all right? And it's through that gift of salvation that sinful, unrighteous people like me and like you are now declared righteous before a holy God. We're now declared righteous, right? And so, God is perfectly righteous. He gives us his righteousness, and then he expects us to live in that righteousness, meaning it should actually affect our day. It should actually affect our day. And, and so let's be clear. God isn't just after better external moral behavior. That's an idea called moralistic therapeutic deism. Again, you don't need to know that term necessarily, but basically it's the idea of just do good just be better. Just try not to cuss when you drive and, and try to, you know, be nice to the homeless and stuff like that. Like, that's, that's moralistic deism. But a lot of people in churches today are just trying to live that way, just kind of white-knuckled religion. That if I just do enough, if I'm good enough, if I'm more good than I am bad, then maybe God will like me. Maybe God will accept me. Maybe in the end, I'll get God, right? But there's a big problem with that. And it's this, anyone can keep up a level of good behavior for a time. I've seen my sons do it, right? For some candy or for some kind of like thing that you dangle out there, they can be good for a time. But if your heart has not been transformed by God, it won't last. It won't last. You'll end up exhausted, grumpy, unloving, disconnected, bitter. You'll end up everything that Christ is not, right? If you're just trying to just be good, just white-knuckled religion, like you'll end up fizzling. 
And I think even for Christians, like this can happen for us as well whenever you try and do a lot of good things for God, but you do it apart from God, right? You don't do it with him. You end up in this place. I know that I've found myself there. And so like you and I, like we have to understand that, that our righteousness comes only because of the obedience of Jesus. It's nothing that you and I do. We didn't earn it. We can't keep it, right? It's only based on what he has done is where we get our righteousness. And because of him, well, now I live in his power. It's this truth that fuels my obedience to live in righteousness, that God is after a transformed heart that's rooted in Jesus that affects our behavior from the inside out. So let's be clear. We're not just talking about do better, be better, right? It only comes through Jesus, the righteousness that he has given you, right? So out of a clear understanding, I hope, I hope we're clear by this point that out of a clear understanding that righteousness comes from Jesus and through Jesus, we do need to put in some work. We do. There is work involved. It's not just a moment of salvation that you just set back, right? I mean, just look at this passage, verse 12. There's, there's all kinds of terms used here, like sowing and reaping and plowing. And those words imply sweat and action and effort and work. The Christian life is, is the same. We are supposed to put forth some work, some sweat, some action, some effort, right? I wish that I was fluent in Spanish. Anybody else? Anybody fluent in Spanish? Like, you know? I think it would be so helpful, right? I, I just think that the way our world is going, like, it would be so helpful to know Spanish, to be able to speak Spanish. And the thing about it is, is in college, I took two semesters of Spanish, because they made me, right? It was a, it was a requirement that I had, to, I had to do that. And so I know a little bit of Spanish. I can count to 10. And uh, I, know, I know some words. Mayamo David. Um, Donde el baño, right? Uh, but if I were to go to a Spanish-speaking country, I would be able to have a very riveting conversation, just continually introducing myself and asking where all the bathrooms are, <laughs> Right? That's about the extent of my Spanish, unfortunately. I wish I would have taken those classes seriously. I wish I would have actually put in some work, but I didn't. But I, didn't. I, I goofed off in class. I put forth minimal effort. I didn't study. And I guess I just thought by being in the class, well, I had no Spanish on the other side of it. But I don't. And I think that's a good picture of how a lot of people approach this whole Christianity thing. I think a lot of people just kind of hope that one day they'll kind of wake up and have it all figured out. Or one day I'll wake up and I'll be further down the tracks than I was 10 years ago. Or I'll wake up and I'll just kind of have more knowledge or I won't struggle with that thing anymore. And we just kind of hope that, but we don't do absolutely anything to get there. You know, we do nothing to actually get there. And so we sit in the class and we put forth minimal effort and we don't study and we don't engage with others throughout the week. But that's not what God is looking for. He's looking for faithful love. And in order to grow that tree, well, you've gotta be putting in some work to plant the right seeds in your life. And so the question for us today is this. What are you planting? What are you planting? You're always planting something in your life. 
every single day. You're either planting something good or you're planting something bad. But the question is, what are you actively planting, right? What are you actively planting? Are you planting righteousness, things that are right and good? And so I'll just ask, like, are you in the word? Are you praying? Are you deepening your relationship and dependence upon him? Are you investing in others? Are you sowing kindness and gentleness? Are you loving your neighbors? Are you being a good employee or a good student? Are you loving those that are sitting by themselves at school? Are you faithfully walking with brothers and sisters in your small group? Are you sharing the good news of Jesus and what he's done in your life? Or are you sowing a bunch of stuff that won't matter years from now? Just look at your last week. Are you happy with the things that you've planted? Are you excited about the things that are gonna be growing out of that? So my encouragement to us this morning, to you and to myself, is just start planting small seeds. Start start planting some small seeds. So open your Bible. (laughs) If you're like, man, I don't ever really read my Bible on my own, I would say, don't say this week that you're gonna like read the whole thing in a week, because um, you won't. <laughs> a lot of people start the, the Bible reading plan in a year, and by January 15th or so, they've fizzled out, right? Don't, don't start with these huge goals. Start with a small seed, just five minutes a day. Say, this week, I'm gonna, I'm gonna plant seeds of righteousness that I'm positive are gonna grow into faithfulness down the road. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna plant seeds, and so just open your Bible, five minutes a day, right? Start with the book of John or something like that. So start with one of the gospels. If you never pray, start small. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day. Maybe devote your, your drive to work. Just talking out loud and praying with, with God as you're starting your day. But the idea is plant small seeds because you're always planting something. You're always sowing something. Even right now, As you come to church and we are in the word together, you are sowing righteousness into your life right now. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Like you're always planting something and the good news is is it won't return void. What you plant will grow. What you plant will grow. And that goes for good things and bad things. What you plant will grow, all right? See the the, the small seed that I planted earlier I planted one in this service and I planted one in the first service and there's still nothing there. <laughs> That's the thing about planting. Like it, it, it takes time. It takes a lot of time for, for something to grow and that's hard for us, isn't it? Like that's the hard part with this whole planting discussion is that you may not see results tomorrow. We live in, in such, a, uh, such a microwave world we want instant results. I want to be able to cook my food in 30 seconds. And if it takes longer than 30 seconds, well, I don't, I don't know what to do with myself, you know? But nothing good is produced that way. Like I can cook a steak in the microwave, but nobody here is going to want to eat it, right? Nothing good is produced that way. Good growth takes some time. But I promise you, if you will daily plant small seeds of righteousness in your life, you'll look up down the road and you'll see growth. You will, because God promises it. He promises it. I want you to look at the last part of verse 12 here. He says, it's, it's time to seek the Lord until he comes. 
and he sends righteousness on you like the rain. (laughs) See, the final piece to all this is God promises to bring the rain. Those seeds aren't gonna grow without water, right? It takes rain, it takes the nourishment. And God promises that he's gonna send that rain on your life, on the things that you've planted. He's gonna send the righteousness on you. And so, so don't, don't miss it this morning that the righteousness given to us and the righteousness that grows out of us all comes from him. All comes from him. Jesus gives us his righteousness. We live and work through that righteousness. We don't just sit back and, and wait and do nothing. And then God brings the growth. It's all about him. It's not about you at all. That's the good news of this. It's all about him. And when we understand righteousness in that way, it has the potential of changing everything about us. You know, this week I've, I've kind of struggled a little bit with this text and with this message because it just feels very simple. <laughs> it feels very simple. But I think that's the point. That what you plant will grow. And sure, like we could, we could do a deep dive study on, on how plants grow. Like we could do a deep dive study on the pH balance of that soil and what the heck photosynthesis is and how all that works. Like we could, do, we could do a study on all that and you could do the same with this idea of righteousness. But I think it's good that we just have this simple message of what you plant will grow because following Christ is not a complicated concept in scripture. Like in scripture, it's just talked about as planting, talked about as walking, just taking steps, planting seeds, following Jesus. Where he goes, you go. What he loves, you love. What he cares about, you care about. What he does, you do. Like it's just following after him. It's not complicated, but it's difficult to live out, right? But I think the thing for us to understand is we got to do it. We got to do it. Like, the world desperately needs a church full of men and women who are actively planting seeds of righteousness in their life. Desperately. And so we've, we've got to do it. And so simply put, the message today is what are you doing today to contribute to your growth tomorrow? And then the encouragement is this week, put some small seeds in the ground and let him bring the growth in your life. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.